Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Break 80 Podcast. We're coming live from the Minneapolis Convention Center where the 2023 Choice Bank Minnesota Golf Show is happening all weekend long. My name is Jeff, one of the co-hosts of the Break 80 Podcast, and I believe the only left-hander on stage. And I'm also joined by my co-hosts, Tim and Mike. Well, we got a great guest with us, too. We'll get to him in a second. Before we do, let's share a little bit about maybe each one of us, and, you know, in case there's some listeners out there who have never, never heard us before. So, Mike, let's start with you. Give us a little bit, something on your, on your golfing background. My golfing background? Oh, man. Uh, amateur golfer, hacking around a little bit. Uh, high school golf coach for like 10 years now. Now a podcaster. Timmy? Man, I can't believe he didn't have a little bit more detail on this. Well, what do you want? Well, you won the Break 80 Major last year. Well, yeah. <laughs> I've played in a couple of, I've played some of the MGA State Ams and all that stuff and a few other competitive things, but Tim shot like a billion the first round, so it was basically a two-man two man event after day one. You're lucky that happened, too, because uh, I was right there for the last round of it. I did birdie three of the last four at Landman. It's what you needed. So my name's Tim. Uh, I'm a 3.5 handicap, according to my Grint score. Who now, is, now wants $65 to update it to USGA standards after paying $65 for the app. So just go straight through your handicap system. Uh, I played high school golf in Davenport, Iowa. Worked at a golf course in college for a few years. And then kind of gave up the game for a bit uh, in my first foray as a pharmaceutical salesman, which was a awful decision on my part as I traveled through the greater state of Wisconsin for work. Really missed some gems. My... Return happened in 2016 to golf when I was invited out to play Pebble Beach and Spyglass. So out of the five rounds I think I played in 2016, one was Pebble and one was Spyglass for my, my return. And then my beginning of the epic quest of the top 100 public courses here in the U.S. of A. Tim, how many you got out of the 100, top 100 public? What are you at? So after, after winning President's Club at my company, immediately as the record came out that I was number five, was on Delta booking my flight to San Diego. <laughs> Had the webcam been on, it would have just been me not paying attention and me just going through all of the dates I could get down to San Diego to play Tory and Rams. And If everything goes according to plan after this year, I should be roughly right around 50. So started in 2016, really kind of took a couple years off to get back into golf and have a better swing. Uh, over the course of 2019 through now, 2020 through now, have played roughly 50 of the public top 100s. You're leaving out a couple things. Tim plays 140 rounds a year, and he's currently swinging, for some reason, a double X shaft with 160 ball speed. It's, it's the only <laughs> thing that was left over. It it's, was in the closet of golf clubs. You know, it, was, uh, it wasn't my selection. It was a, a purchase from a, a good friend, uh, Matt, who had evidently a lot harder swing speed than myself. <laughs> Well, and then I guess I'm Jeff, and I'm very similar to Mike, high school golf coach, probably, you know, seven, eight years now, uh, so, so that gets pretty busy in the spring. I'm also like Tim. I try to get as many rounds as possible. I say I'm, I'm pretty much close to 100 a year if I, if I can get out a lot in the summer. And I'm a lefty, so that's kind of a, a little bit more about me, but we've got a, an awesome guest on this stage that we're excited to talk about. Um, you know, we're lucky enough to have him join us. He's Currently a caddy on the PGA Tour to the 120th best-ranked golfer in the entire world, Wyndham Clark. Uh, played and coached college golf at Oregon. Was named the 2008 Canadian Tour Player of the Year with three wins. He's a true Californian who moved here with his family, and he's now one of us. 
Let's welcome Mr. John Ellis. Thanks for being here, John. Well, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, Two-time U.S. Open competitor? Played in two U.S. Opens. Um, I choked both times making the cut uh, coming down the stretch, but uh, something I'll never forget. Yeah. Well, you've got quite a, a golfing background, too, from playing to coaching to now caddying. Uh, there's, so there's a lot to unpack there. But you were a pretty good golfer yourself. And I got to ask, you know, when you're, when you're doing the professional thing and, and playing in some of these events, at some point you made a decision that I can't, I can't do this anymore, whether it be injury or just play or mentally. What was that like giving up the game? What was it like to, you know, kind of give up? And maybe it was your dream, maybe it wasn't to make the PGA Tour, but what was that like? Well, I, you know, as uh, growing up, I wanted to be a professional golfer all my life, and I worked my tail off to get to that point. Um, after trying for 10, 11 years, playing, grinding, mini tours, um, fortunate enough to play in 10 PGA Tour events, some U.S. Open, some webs. Um, the grind of getting there got to me and was too hard to continue to do it. I mean, I love to compete, and I feel like caddying has given me the opportunity to still compete a little bit, just rooting and not crying over four-footers like I used to. Now <laughs> I just watch somebody else um, miss or make those four-footers. But... Um, yeah, so that was basically, I just got beat up of traveling and playing and where am I playing next. And um, if you don't have full status on one of the big tours, um, you know, you're Monday qualifying, you're grinding, just trying to survive. And eventually I wanted something else. And um, yeah, and I, and I don't know how I'm catting because I'm still traveling. <laughs> <laughs> so before we move on, John can play. Here is the 2011 uh, U.S. Open at Congressional. Rory, that's your Rory Blitz, everybody. That was chubby. That was chubby Rory before he got chubby. Fit. Rory was one of the best Rorys. Yeah, John, what did you miss the cut by one? Yeah, I bogeyed uh, 15, 17, and eighteen. <laughs> and um, yeah, I had to come back. It's a funny story. I had to come back the next Saturday morning to finish seventeen and eighteen. Seventeen, I hit a good drive down there, and I had like a hundred and fifty yards. So the driving range that morning, I get there, normal routine, and all I did was hit nine iron, nine iron, nine iron, nine iron. <laughs> I get out there, the horn blows, and I lay sod over this nine iron. <laughs> <laughs> Fail to get up and down, and then three putt at 18. 18 was a hard hole, so I was devastated. Um, but, yeah, I'll never forget laying sod after practicing nine irons for 40 minutes and <laughs> chucking but it. But you either tied or beat Stuart Sink, Justin Rose, Adam Scott, Paul Casey, Ricky Fowler, Ian Poulter, Shane Lowry, Jim Furyk, Francesco Molinari. That's a list, man. That's, that's a, a list. Good, that's, someday your son better know who those guys are. How come they're still playing, making millions, and I'm not? <laughs> well, Ty Tryon is not. He shot 84 the first day. He was the uh, the Katniss kid, like the next Tiger Woods. But. Yeah. Well, I want to talk about, you know, before we get again to caddying, uh, we're with John Ellis here, the PGA Tour caddy for Wyndham Clark. Let's talk about your experience, your short time coaching the Oregon Ducks. Um, the head coach at the time was Casey Martin. Many of you may know who Casey Martin is. Um, and you had come just the year after they won the national championship. What a squad they had. You know, that was the Aaron Wise-led team, Solomon Raza. Really good players. Fun to watch them, them close it out um, down the stretch. What was it like coaching and, you know, especially some of that elite talent, some of the best, you know, that, that, that program of Oregon is, is a strong program. What was that experience like? Well, yeah, I was just finishing playing and I was kind of like at crossroads. What, what am I going to do? Am I going to stay in golf? Am I in a, you know, 
get a job somewhere else. Uh, Casey uh, Martin is a friend of mine, um, and he knew I was quit playing, and he ever said, if you ever quit playing, you always have an opportunity to coach here. Um, they A job opened up, and um, I went to coach at the school I played for. So I went to University of Oregon, um, and I was lucky enough to be a part of Wyndham Clark, Norman Jong, Solman Raza, I mean, one of the best teams in losing in the national championship was it was such a cool experience and it, it was a way for me to give back I felt like I, all these experiences playing, traveling um, you know if I could go back and play and practice with these guys and you know make them better. Yeah. Wait, what about uh, there's a, there's a, there was a Minnesota kid on that squad Sam Faust. Sam Faust, yeah, he uh, he's coaching at UC San Diego right now. I saw him when we played at Torrey. Great kid, good player. He played a little bit on that team that lost in the finals. Um, but, yeah, he's a great kid. My team knows all about the Diana Golf Program. As we're <laughs> uh, we are in that conference, and they give us a beating most of the time. <laughs> well, so you mentioned some of the really good players. Um, you know, we'll get to Wyndham Clark as, as that's the guy you're, you're currently catting for, but – you know, Norman Zhang was a heralded freshman. Solomon Raza had come off of being one of the heroes of the, of the national championship. Any stories particular from those guys that you can remember, some of the really good college years and players? Well, I'll remember that Norman Zhang, when he first came in, um, Casey told me, like, this kid is the next Tiger Woods. Like, mm -hmm. comes in. So we do a qualifying. And um, I don't think he qualified number one. I think Wyndham won, but. Um, you could tell they had this little pecking order, like, oh, this hot shot's coming in. So our first tournament, we're playing at U of A's tournament. Wyndham, we played 28 holes or something and then got called for darkness. So we had eight, a few holes to finish and another 18 to play for the final round. Wyndham, I would say he's maybe eight under par. Norman's at even par. And we're driving there at 5.30 in the morning. And this hot shot freshman says, Wyndham, I'm going to catch you by the end of the day. <laughs> and sure enough, on 18, these guys are tied for the lead individually. And I was like, all right, this kid's built a little different than most of them because the other kids are sleeping back there or thinking about anything other than golf. And this kid uh, is already thinking about winning his first college event. And he went on to win National Player of the Year in seven tournaments or something, crazy. which is just crazy. But a little bit of a divide between college and professional, right? Yeah, big time. I mean, the leap from college to pro, it's, it's not so much the golf. Um, it's traveling. I mean, he was an 18-year-old kid, played a couple years, um, given a bunch of money, and said, go, go figure it out. And when you're 20 going out there with a bunch of money and traveling, it's a little different. How big, how big of a pull? Not a pull. How, Nike at University of Oregon is like legit crazy, isn't it? You got, I tell everybody, you got to come to the campus. Like, my wife um, works in corporate America and these big time companies, and she came to our office in at University of Oregon, and she's like, "I want to work here." Like, just <laughs> what Phil Knight has done to Oregon is just incredible. Any favorite swag that you got out of your time at Oregon, uh, or do you have a, just a closet full of? I Nike? do have a. My wife wouldn't like it, but I have a bunch of uh, the college, the basketball teams, Jordans and LeBrons <laughs> and all that stuff that I, some Kobe's that are, I looked them up, they're worth a bunch of money and they're just sitting in my closet. 
Hey, Mike, that's right down your alley. He's oh. the old, uh, you know, buy stuff and sell it for more. Oh, yeah. Oh. Hell, yeah. You can flip those in a heartbeat. Well, come on over. I don't know how to do it. <laughs> what, what size shoe are we talking about? 11. Oh. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect, yeah. What, uh, let's talk about the transition then. So you went from this coaching and now, like, how did you get into the caddy aspect? You had that relationship built in with Artie Wyndham, so that's kind of already started. Now, how did you go from, from coaching to now jumping on um, Wyndham Clark's bag? Uh, well, when I left University of Oregon, he had graduated. I was still coaching. Um, my wife and I moved to the great state of Minnesota, so I had to give up the coaching job at Oregon. He qualified for the web.com. I was teaching, um, coaching golf here. Then caddying was just never really thought about it. I always said I'd help him out. He was playing the web in middle of the season. He texts me and says, um, I'm struggling is there any chance you'll come out for a few events and i i said sure checked with the boss and uh he finished second and 10th and basically got his tour card and then i went back home you know whatever did teach in and then um when he got his tour card he asked again if there's any chance you would come out on tour and um caddy and i said you can't talk to me you gotta talk to the boss <laughs> So I think he reached out to Heather and said, uh, what do you think? And um, he is a great kid. My wife is very understanding. She's amazing to to deal with me being gone and the ups and downs of caddying and being on the road is tough. But that's kind of how I got started. Uh, Wyndham is an incredible kid and uh, somebody that we care about, whether he shoots 82 every round or 62 every round. He plays frequently too i mean Wyndham is out there he's grinding you're you're on the road a lot then yes um he's cut back the schedule a little bit this year and um he's amazing with that there's some fill-ins where i'm not gone too much that some buddies will come caddy for him and whatnot so i don't do those four or five stretches without being home um, which is great because that that's where it gets tough right it's one thing um two weeks here and then come home and then a couple you know that's not Horrible. It's tough on the family, but that's manageable. But uh, the four or five, six weeks where we've done in the past is a grind. Are there any trips that you won't go on? I know Hawaii, for instance, very far away, kind of an expensive one. I'll go to. I'll find a way. To get <laughs> <out>. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you live up here, so why wouldn't you go? Yeah, right? exactly. But this time of year, we haven't played Hawaii since his rookie year, and every year, like you know, I still watch golf and. I'm like, God, we need to be playing in this one, right? It's got to get the negative, negative 10 here, and they're playing in Hawaii. We'll get there. If you're in his position, though, you have to play a lot, basically, on the PGA Tour, don't you? To keep well, especially this year, um, you know, with what's going on with the live and the tour and finishing the top 70 this year, you know, we don't know how it's all going to shake out at the end of the year if the top 100 or if it is the top 70. So... The top 70 is a big deal, so you really can't miss too many events this year or finishing a hunt. You know, usually you finish 125 and you got a job next year. Well, 125 might not get you a job, full job next year. So so we, we do our own bets every uh -huh. week and, and do our picks. I picked Wyndham actually for the 3M. We have insider knowledge now. This yeah. is like yeah. illegal stock trading. This is right? illegal for stock trading. Yeah. I'll tell you when he's got it and when he doesn't that's got what, it. That's <laughs> what we need. That is what we And I also want to just check in. Are there any courses that you're particularly confident that he's great at? Anything that we should move him up the mark on? Well, the, the West Coast, he's done well. There's a few that I'll throw out there. But the next two are hard golf courses for yeah. everybody. And yep. we tend to skip Bay Hill because it's just 
water everywhere. It's so hard, and it's not fun to play. Did you play it last year with those winds? Was no, we, okay. skip, we skipped it. It's elevated this year, though. So it's Yeah, it's elevated. We, yeah, you kind of have to. I mean, Tim played know. it a couple weeks ago. Yeah, you just you bring like 12 to 18 golf balls, and uh, <laughs> you have a blast out That's there. That's not enough, is yeah. it? <laughs> and it almost wasn't, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, last couple of years, the winning scores have been like four or five yeah. under. Is that a top 100 golf course? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Thing is, it wasn't even designed by Arnold Palmer either. Even oh, though it, was it? it yeah. holds his name, it was designed previous to him coming in and purchasing the property. Did a bunch of redesigns. Wonderful walk. Yeah, it is. I like the golf tournament itself. It's just that course is tough to go around. It gets, I mean, so, it gets so firm, doesn't it? Like what, firm, firm and fast? The rough's up. It's firm. There's fast. And all you see is water, or at least as a caddy. As a player, you see grass. As a caddy now, you just see water. <laughs> you see the don't, don't <laughs> yeah. do that. The word don't do that. Yeah. What what uh, so when you started caddying was there was there a learning curve for you, you know that I I could imagine just jumping. I mean you're you're not just you know caddying for somebody in a state am or you know yeah. you're you're on the PGA tour like somebody's job. Like was there was there a little bit of a learning curve for that? I mean, yes and no. Yes, from the standpoint I'd never really caddied. I obviously played professional golf for ten years and had caddies, um, but the learning curve with Wyndham was I had him in college. So he was kind of like, I was already caddying for him. So that part, it was just a little bit of the curve. Okay. I, there is a learn. I've caddied a little bit on a few like mini tours. This was 20 years ago. A buddy of mine played like some. The things like, uh, oh, you shouldn't stand right behind the hole yeah. and someone's putting and stuff like that. Just get the hell out of the way. <laughs> there's a little bit of a learning curve for weird things. You, when you're just playing, you know, with your buddies at a musical course, you don't even worry about. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff. Well, if I was caddying for you guys, there would be a big learning curve, I would imagine. <laughs> well, I, we, uh, we actually got a chance to caddy at the 3M Pro-Am last year, and we were in Sam Ryder's group. And I don't yeah, know yeah. if you know his caddy very well. Yeah. Is his name Brian? What is it? Uh, not Brian. What it, is it? Uh, I can't. He, yeah. Good dude. He, I talked dude. to him for a while, and he, uh, he had talked about his many experiences. But one of the things that he had talked about is, you know, cat, I, I kind of learned a couple of things. One um, there's a good brotherhood there with, with yeah. the caddies. You know, there's a nice, cohesive group. They'll do a lot together. That was one thing I learned. The other thing I learned in our six-and-a-half-hour round is that it's, <laughs> it's grueling on the body. I mean, I couldn't believe how sore my feet were, how my shoulders felt, and that's one day. And you guys do this, you know, four if you make the cut on top of that, all the other practice rounds and whatnot. And then that made me – how in, is, is Fluff on PEDs? How does he <laughs> – Carry on a bag. Uh, cigarettes. I mean, what is, it's key. I mean, it's, it's, I mean what it, that is a gruel. That's a test. He feels good when he's out there. I'll <laughs> say that. Um, you know what's funny about Fluff is he, walking with the bag, he walks normal. And then if you see him walk in the parking lot, it looks like, how does he even get to his car? But when he gets a bag on, it's just like he scoots down the fairway quite nicely. Like evens him out. Yeah, it's weird. So uh, not only do you have to manage the golf for these folks, but you also have to manage the head game for a lot yeah. of people. Previously, Fluff's era, it was all about course management, course knowledge. It seems like it's almost turned into something a little bit more psychological with, yeah. with your players. Can you talk about that transition, or did you have to get to know Wyndham in a different way? Yeah, I mean, each time I caddy, even now, like I gain more experience or things I should say or shouldn't say. Um, I've been around them uh, enough to know what trigger to, triggers them, what I can say to relax them, to change the subject. Because really, you have that five seconds where you got to be sharp, and then, hey, let's talk about the Colorado Avs. Or you know, he's a big hockey fan, so I'll bring up the Wild. And 
you're just always trying to get away from golf for that a minute and then you're back in it. It's like, all right, let's go. Let's get into it. And yeah, so those are just the things you got to do. And then as far as the golf course, we're the data analytics, where to go, where all that's become part of golf. So that's kind of made the job a little easier. And the equipment, I mean, they just rip driver. Like, like oh. Riviera 10 is a perfect example. They've yeah. take, there's no strategy really anymore. You just hammered up, up there somewhere on the left side, right? I driver? saw Tiger and JT laid up a few times, and I get these. I PJ Tour website has, you could kind of check the stats, and if you laid up, you were averaging 4.7. So I'm like, we're getting it <laughs> yeah. down there as far as you can, and hopefully chip it to the front left and two putt and three putt and get the heck out of there. Uh, it's great golf hole. It is. Speaking of Tiger, did you run into him at all at, Gen at uh, the Genesis? He, he played a few groups ahead of us on Saturday, so he was on the range warming up, and it's it's just a different feel when he's out there. It's what's going on with golf and live and all this, but there's one guy where the me needle is moving, and if Tiger's out there, uh, golf's in good shape. And he actually looked pretty good. Like, he had... I thought some of those numbers on Golf Channel, like his speed, seemed like, uh, I don't know. But I watched him hit balls on Saturday, and, I mean, he looked pretty pretty good. It's amazing, that guy. He's He has switched his swing, yeah, like, five different times in his career. His complete overhauls, and now he doesn't use the ground at all. No. And he's still pumping it out there. It's unbelievable. Have you ever, has Wyndham ever been paired with him? No, I will tell you a funny story. So we're tied with Tiger. Um going to Saturday, and I said, whatever we do, or whatever Tiger does, we do, all right? So if he, bo <laughs> yes. if he bogeys 10, we bogey 10, all right? He's like, I'm in. So we're both four under through 13, and I looked at my phone. I'm not allowed to. And it was Tiger and Wyndham. I said, all right, bud, we are tied. We just got to do what, whatever he does moving forward. And uh, so that was our goal, and we proceeded to make a couple bogeys, and he beat us by one. So we didn't get a chance but that was literally our, he told that's me on awesome. a 10th hole we got to play with tiger tomorrow. You, you know that's the guy that's a that's a good guy to caddy for where it's like he wanted the experience yeah. over yeah. anything else there well, that, to play with tiger the reason i brought that up is one of my questions was besides your golfer you have to do a little bit of crowd control yeah and crowd control when you're playing with tiger is probably a little different than crowd control normally well it's tough because they just when tiger's there they just watch tiger and then they all scamper to the next hole to go see tiger so it, i mean we haven't played with them but being around it, it's like, it doesn't matter who it is, they're out of there, so you kind of got to, you know, putt out or just kind of wait till they all run to the next hole. Um, CBS has done something different this year where they've gotten a chance, and, and we've got a little bit more of an insight as a viewer, as a person that, you know, loves to watch golf. Uh, you know, they've taken a player for one hole, walked with them the entire hole, got a chance to hear all the caddy conversations, what they discuss and what they talk about. I think we had Max Holman at Torrey. We had, um, I think it was uh, Tom Kim at, at the Waste Management. Uh, Morikawa at Riviera. Morikawa Riviera. Yeah. So we've, we've gotten that insight, and I feel like that's one, one thing that's been really cool. And, um, you know, that's how, how do you think, you know, when you, when you talk back and, and forth between a shot, how does that, um, are, you, are you basically just giving him your best uh, advice in terms of, try to lim eliminate damage, or are you being more aggressive? Because these guys basically really want the player to make their decision, it sounds like. Like yeah. Joe Scammer when, with uh, Tom Kim is like, it's really only a 200. You know, he's trying to back him away from a club. Like, is that is that really a... a I mean, it's, obviously each situation's different, right? You're, 
uh, depending on what golf course it is. Next week when six under might win, it's like, you know, the talk will be, well, let's put it in a spot where four or five is our worst score, right? Because there's so much trouble there. Um, strategy being aggressive um, is not really there. You're playing for the fat side of the green and where the miss is instead of, all right, this is a perfect six iron from 210. And it's like, well, there's more, tr you know, there's yeah, more, yeah, more there sure. to it on that golf course. And the, the same with the players the week, the following week, right? They're, you pick and choose where you could be aggressive. How good does it feel when you like when you make a good call that he that he like oh, he so wanted to hit the seven but you made him hit the six or the eight and like and he just yeah, stuffs it? Yeah, the best. He, <laughs> you know, he's pretty good about like a oh, great call or uh, yeah, but they're quick to say bad call too though. <laughs> I was gonna say it. You know, I I always gripe on on uh, Spieth a little bit because I'm like, man, Michael Greller took a beating today. He's <laughs> just getting yelled at. Oh, Bubba's back and playing too. Well, Ted, Ted Scott's got the greatest gig in the world now because he was... It went He's from, got Ned Flanders. To it went from pray, pray for Ted Scott all the time to, yeah. to, to, to the nicest guy in the world. Nicest guy and he wins every week. Yeah. He's making 400000 every week. It's a pretty good deal. <laughs> well, Wyndham's like playing really well lately. You know, he's up to 120th in the world. He got his... You know, top 70 in, in FedEx Cup points last last year. Um, you know, he's in a lot of events. That kind of leads me to believe, what are some of the goals you guys have this year? You you're probably have your set, eyes set on some, you know, top, potentially making a top 100, you know, getting, you know, working your way up to top 75 perhaps, trying to get into that FedEx, FedEx race and, and things like that. Uh, yeah, I mean, he is played his best golf um, as a professional this year, and I only expect it to get better. I think for the first time, uh, he feels comfortable being out there playing. Um, Saturday of Phoenix, we got played or got paired with Xander and Jordan, and um, he didn't flinch one bit. I, he didn't play his best golf, but it wasn't because of Jordan or Xander. He just didn't putt or didn't get the up and downs that he normally would. Um, he's not scared of that situation, and I think in the years past, if that um, pairing might, you know, might yeah, rattle show some weaknesses, bit. and um, I think he's past that. I would expect him, um, you know, my goal always, I tell him the same week, is to have a chance with nine holes to go. Doesn't mean we could win or we might have to shoot 30, but, um, yeah, if you have a chance with nine holes to go, then you've had a successful week, whether you finish 30th or you know, 40th or, or 10th, right? You're just, he's just got to get himself in that position more often. And um, it's a numbers game, right? If you get there enough times, eventually you're going to win and hit the golf shots. And I truly believe he will win this year. And I want it to be the 3M. Heck yeah. 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 That'd, That'd be, be sick. His yeah. ball striking numbers are all really good. Like I said earlier, before we started, make a few more putts here and there. And he's, he's money on statistically speaking anyway. He's got a good swing coach. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, he's hitting it as good as he ever. Putting's usually his strength, and that's the one thing he hasn't done well this year. Um, you know, it's a short season as far as, like, keeping stats. So um, over time, I imagine those numbers yeah, will get better. Even out. Um, as long as the hitting stays there and the putting keeps getting better, then we're all right. What's a week at the PGA Tour look like for you guys? What does a week look like? And then on top of that, you know, if it's a new course, how does that change your week? Yeah, the new course, you're there flying Sunday, maybe Monday morning. Um, you know, like next week, we haven't played that well. I'm going Monday. I'll walk the golf course, um, 
see the same things I normally see, just water on that course on every hole in high rough. <laughs> Tim, any, any advice that you yeah. have before for Pay Hill? I, you just, you always, there's always one side that's yeah. dry. There's always the danger side. There's always the safe side. That's what I always tell him, and we eventually, we always are <laughs> dropping. <or> always <laughs> does he also play with, like, 17 clubs like Tim does? <laughs> well, that's, <laughs> that's the key to success right there. I wish. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we'll, I'll do some prep work. Um, I'll look at data from the year before. Um, what well, top 10 guy, what'd they do well? Yeah, to for do, sure. Um, you know, Wyndham hits it a mile. So I think uh, we've played there twice. One year we made the cut, and um, we kind of hit driver everywhere. Maybe we'll scale it back because he's hitting it better this year. And um, But it's just a hard golf course. And so that's what I'll do. I'll go scout the course out, see see how it's playing, if it's as fast as it normally is, if the rough's. Is the rough up? So I played it in December. The rough was not up yet, oh, but they had started I'm to sure. grow it, and it was already an inch and a half, two inches. Yeah, so and it catches. And I mean, it, that that rough is like is hole early. eighteen. That is like if you do not hit in the fairway and the, yeah. the pin is back right, you almost have to lay up. Well, yeah, you do, and there's there's nowhere to lay up to. You lay yeah. up to this skinny little walkway, or you're in the rough again, and then you're hitting over water and. The fact that Tiger birdied that hole so many times to win golf is just incredible. Yeah. I, I, I found it pretty easy. Oh, right. <laughs> Drive right <laughs> in the middle. You did not birdie it, did you? No, I missed it. But like I a, always miss them. The last couple of years, that, that whole tournament has become like a chipping contest. Yeah. Because the greens have been so firm and it's been windy and everybody's missing greens. So it's like who can get up and down the most? I would like to see him soften up a little bit just for fans watching. I mean, it, golf is better when guys are making birdies and pars and – I realize you want it to be challenging, but if you hit in the rough and then chipping out and everybody's doing the same thing, it's, eh. The, the Bay Hill Sawgrass tournaments last year were something else oh. to watch. I tell you what. Sawgrass, watching JT <laughs> just carve shots in the wind was unbelievable. Five iron into 17? <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. Dead hands. That yeah. Florida wind, too, for some reason, 10, 15 miles an hour yeah. there is like 25 here. It just gobbles up the ball. Whatever spin is on that ball just absolutely... It, it it tears India. It's yeah. it's terrible. What are your some some of your favorite stops on tour? Well, being from the West Coast, anything on the West Coast, I Tory is the greatest golf course in the world to me. I love I love to hear that. Yeah, because I'm going in March, yeah. so that's perfect. Um, last week at uh, Riviera is incredible. Growing up in San Jose, California, um, the AT and T was my tournament, right? So that's when yep. I would go there and. If you could play Pebble, Spyglass when they're in good shape, um, it's hard to beat. When is it sunny there? Uh, not now, but they sh- we were talking about they should flip the whole tour. Like, you should start in Florida and then go to the West Coast for this time of year when the weather is good. It, I mean, we got pretty lucky this year with weather, but in general, I just don't know why we don't start in Florida and then come Do you, back west. When it comes to the PGA Tour and courses – and I've graduated I've with this in the podcast since we started. You know, all these TPCs, they look yeah. the same. Wouldn't it be amazing if they could play more like Rivieras and Tories? Like, just I, I know it'll never happen because it's all connected, you know, to the PGA Tour and the TPC system, whatever it is. But I think you could get more players would come to more events just for good courses too, right? You're a thousand percent. Well, we, right. I mean, I, the TPC thing, I know they're owned by the PGA Tour, but there's so many better golf courses that they could play that, people want to see on tv where you know i think it would help the ratings if you could see like riviera i feel like i know the golf course 
just from watching on the TV over the years, and that's... They're unique golf courses. Like, all the TPCs look the same on TV. They're yeah. all, like, like I always say, you could take Twin Cities and Louisiana yeah. and, like, almost put them on top of each other. It yeah. seems like it's the same damn golf course. You're right. I don't know. Do one guy design all the TPCs? Bobby, Bobby Weed designed a lot of the TPCs, but a lot of those aren't necessarily tour stops. They're yeah. a part of the membership. Yeah. But Although he did design one of Minnesota's best Stone courses. Stone Ridge, baby, my yeah. favorite public. Yeah. Are you getting ready to hit that shot on 17 at Sawgrass? You've got to start getting ready for yeah. that. Yeah, caddy, a, caddy shot. I hit a good shot last year. Um, in the previous year, I dunked it in the water. <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully this uh, All right. I'll have another dry year. There's these few guys that sit behind the <laughs> 17th uh there and sing this splish splash I'm taking <laughs> it and that's all I think about when I'm walking up to this thing there's like these five guys singing splish splash I'm taking them they're How in your head oh they're in my head is, big is time. this just for the caddies or is just this for the entirety of the the tours they come through well I don't know actually I think it's just for the caddies but um yeah how so about I, the caddy race at Scottsdale I know they got rid of that they don't do it but they still, you could hear people gambling on who touches the green first. <laughs> Love so it. there's all these, uh, hurry up, you know, whatever bib it is. Oh, hurry up, wait. Or <laughs> Are most of the caddies out there sticks? Like you, good yeah, sticks? Yeah, it seems like it's changed a little bit where it used to be the, uh, the older generation of caddies, um, it was just their job, right? And now I think you're getting better golfers, friends, um, college players who they played with um so it's all but good players now um we're a minnesota golf show here so i was gonna you know 3m is is something that you know maybe a lot of these people at the at the golf show are gonna go to and um you guys are planning on being there this yeah, year again we'll be there um what is that experience like and you know coming back to minnesota and being a, a part of that what is that how's that been for you guys well, they run a great event we had a chance to win uh, maybe three years ago i think we were in the second to last group and we had the lead with um six holes to go or so so that's right um it's when this minnesota's wyndham's favorite spot like there's oh, a crazy. there's a he always threatened to get a like summer house here because he loves it so much we live in wyzetta so um, I've had a bunch of players and caddies come out there during that week where we um, go on the boat. And uh, we had Tony Finau on our boat last year or two years ago, took his family cruising around Lake Minnetonka, got him in the water, and uh, yeah, it was fun. It's got to be a big boat. The whole yeah, for that <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. not, all the, not all the kids. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so uh, Minnesota does a great job. It's a great tournament. Um, they had a good turnout last year. I feel like they, the COVID year, we didn't have many uh, people out there because it was restricted. Last year with Tony Wynn in, um, was Tony Wynn last year? He did. Tony won, yeah. yep. I was yeah. going to ask, you didn't have Scott Piercy out on the boat Saturday night. No, <laughs> no. He was in that sand. He's still in that bunker right <laughs> now, isn't he? <laughs> um, but, yeah. yeah, so we love that. He loves it. I love it. It's home. We stay People rent houses by where we are, and we have a good time and barbecue. And I think my guys had too much fun the last few years, so maybe we have to <laughs> dial it back a little. Too many. Well, yeah, let, let us know, like on you know Wednesday night, if he gets after yeah. a little bit. We too won't. We won't pick yeah. him. I live five minutes away, so five minutes away from there, so I'll take right. care of him. Yeah, you're in. Yeah, he had too many course lights, and he thinks he's a professional surfer these days. So <laughs> he's not. Well, the. 
one of the things that, that I'm curious to know of, you know, since this Live Tour started, um, you know, you've got your PGA Tour. How has life been different? How's the PGA? It's been a good thing for a lot of people. You know, it's been a, it, the, the viewers kind of suffered because they don't get to watch their, some of their favorite players. But in terms of how the caddies are treated and how the players, you know, are, are getting more money for, for tournaments, yeah. how, how do we see that end on, on the caddy perspective? Well, short term, the, the lift thing has been incredible for golfers, coaches, caddies, um, agents. I mean, it's been amazing. Um, are we treated any different? I don't think so. I mean, I know the live looks after their players and caddies. The tour um, has gotten better. It's not like we're treated poorly, but um, it's separated. Live kind of, if you're a player, you're a caddy, and you're all eating in the same place. Um, the tour has done a better job with that because it's funny. The players come into the caddy lounge more than they eat at their own. Like, for whatever reason, we're just kind of loosey-goosey and yeah um they'd rather hang with us uh long term i don't you know i don't know how all this live things gonna go i i don't like the direction maybe the pga tour is going because yes the purses and all that is amazing but you know rory's mentioned you know maybe starting next year the elevated events or be top 50 or top 70 players and um that's that's not what i want the pga tour to be right i I was a, a guy struggling trying to make it on the PGA Tour, and I remember Monday qualifying into an event, and I thought it was an opportunity for a life-changing, you know, week. You know, if Absolutely. I play well or something like that, and if they if they go away the direction that the live is, um, that's not going to be possible, right? Where you're just going to have essentially you're going to have the live tour. The PGA Tour live tour, and then the PGA Tour, right? And yeah. And guys like Nick Taylor at Waste Management. Exactly. Or he the, would have never been there. Yeah, yeah. the Cinderella story is yeah. gone. Yeah. Right? It's, it's. I mean, there's a kid who Monday qualified this week who's in the top five. Like, he has a chance to win an event on the PGA Tour. That's what makes the PGA Tour so great. The four of us can't go qualify for to play with the Timberwolves on Wednesday night <laughs> exactly. if, if we shoot well. But <laughs> the golf is still... That's still a possibility. The one of us could go Monday, qualify, have the week of our life, finish twentieth, and you know, change our life for a short period of time, right? Do you T think having you on the bag is enough for us to to get in and qualify? Is there enough expertise? No comment. Yeah. I saw yeah. I saw uh, Arjun Atwal shot sixty two at Victory Links on a Monday without ever seeing the golf course. Yeah. So I think we're screwed, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Did he play them all? I don't know. Although Tim did say he could make nine out of ten free throws once, so maybe the Timberwolves is a better route for you. Yeah, yeah. Who needs fundamentals at the free throw <laughs> line? Now? That is not happening, Tim. There's no way you make nine. I know that uh, some of the treatment varies tournament to tournament. Yeah. Um, certain directors really roll out the red carpet. Others a little bit more selective of, of who they're approaching. Are there certain tournaments that they really do that for you? The 3M does an amazing job. We, you know, we have good food at all the places, but the 3M, we have steak and lobster and dinners on our way out which is pretty amazing and, and um, so shout out to 3m for doing an amazing job the players rolls out the red carpet there for a while they didn't and then now our commissioner is having these dinners for us and um yeah so the live from that standpoint's helping i just hope it doesn't go too far yeah um is any any player caddy groups that you guys tend to gravitate towards or hang out a lot with we play practice. I mean, there's depending on um, little who's gambling, in the field. maybe even. Yeah, the gambling. <laughs> yeah. 
Perfect. Um, we had a putting contest last week with Adam Shank and his caddy on the putting green. Nice. Yeah. So that yeah, uh, Max Homa and Joe Griner. We they're good golfers I mean, and good dudes too. Yeah, huh? great dude. Yeah. How, so, how good of a story is Max Homa while you're on it? Well, it's amazing actually. Like to be um, somebody who won three times on the web, get his card, and then somebody that I hate to say this. The two or three of us or four of us could have beat him a few years ago. I mean, truly, he was at rock bottom, um, made one cut, made $14,000 in a year. And to fight all those demons and get to the point where he's arguably one of the top 10 best golfers in the world, and he couldn't beat one of us a few <laughs> years ago. Like, that's, it's pretty amazing. I, I've always said, like, and he produced, like, at Riviera, something Liv could never do. He's up yeah. there. He's up there. You could see that it, he really matters to him. He cares. He's, like, crying about not winning. and Yeah, the emotion of coming down. And that's one of the things, you know, financially the Liv is incredible. But, but how would you like to be watching Dustin come up 18 and Louis and coming up 14 and 13 tied? And it's like yeah. the, the excitement of walking up 18 at Riviera and that amphitheater and yeah. out is just you can't beat it. And that's, and that's the, again, the, I know Tim's kind of our pro live guy on the stage yeah. here. Mike and I've always talked about that's as a viewer, knowing somebody cares that much, that intrigues you, that sucks you in to want to watch more. There's that care. Even like when you get to like watching the NBA playoffs or something, you can just tell by watching them how much they, they more they care. Yeah. See, that, I think that's a bad comparison because those NBA players are already on a contract for millions and millions and millions of dollars. LeBron has already secured his bag, right? As have a lot of players. People are in destitute poverty on the tour, trying to make it. I mean, we mentioned uh, Nick Taylor, right? Guys are, are really needing to grind out for that top 50, that top 20, just to keep their dream alive and keep it going. I don't think that that competitive nature necessarily ends just because you've made money, because then it would end in all the other professional sports. Like, I will. A-Rod didn't hang up his game when he got his 250 mil. Um, LeBron didn't hang up his game when he got that $1 billion. It, Nike it seems to be every time we sign somebody for the Twins, they'd hang it up. Well, that's different. That's Minnesota <laughs> I will say this, though. I watched a little bit of uh, my Copa, or my Copa, whatever, which, by the way, uh, the PGA Tour guys are, are always there, and they don't have half the field over par usually. Um, Matt Jones was in trouble in the woods, hit some trees, and he was like kind of like smiling and laughing. I'm like, because he doesn't care. He's already paid. Like, PGA Tour guys would be pissed. What is there not to smile about? Yeah. You're getting last place here to make $120,000 to shoot 85, 85, 85. Like, I feel bad for Ogletree, though, in that whole deal. He got that one time, yeah. and then they cut him, and now he's, like, playing on, like, the Asian tour or somewhere. He's playing nice, too. Yeah. He just won two tournaments, and now he's basically banned from the PGA Tour. Yeah. I mean, might not I, be able to get back on live, and he's I, in. I envision him walking in, like, you ever seen the movie Rudy? Yeah. He goes up, he goes to the sheet and see if he's on the roster or not. <laughs> you know, see if he made the squad, and it's just like, there's just, I'm, not <laughs> I'm rich, I'm rich, no, I'm poor. But it is, it's such a bizarre setup, because you got, you got Cam, and D, you got a couple top-end guys, then you got your older guys that are kind of the back in the crib, but then you have a bunch of guys that wouldn't even make the top 125 on the PG, like, like uh, Uline tried for years, yeah. and he's making a bunch of money out there and actually playing well, because there's no stress and pressure probably on him. I mean... Yeah, my, I think my guy would win a bunch of tournaments yeah. out there, too, knowing yeah. that you're financially stable. Um, what's the worst case if you shoot a few bad rounds, right? Yeah, playing on house money, basically. Yeah. Well, we got a lot of people here at the golf show, and I, one of the things I want to throw this out there to you, there's probably a lot of people out there that maybe have the ability to break 80 but have not. Um, you know, what, for whatever reason, they kind of 
down the stretch, blow it, or, you know, they don't know how to manage their games. As a caddy, how would you get somebody around the course to have the best chance to break 80? Well, I always tell everybody, if you practice for 30 minutes a week, or, you know, if you had an hour, I would spend 28 of it on the short game, chipping, like little pitch shots, and then the other two minutes hitting balls. Um, the only way really to save shots is around the greens. I, um, if you're good enough to shoot 80, um, you're good enough to shoot in the 70s, and I think it's just a fine line of short game shots. So I always say chip, chip, chip. That's how you're going to get better. How about pressure situations? The podcast is on a quest to qualify this year for the State Am. We're all three going to attempt to qualify at the same place. Aim right. Well, that's you because you hit the big tall hook when you're under pressure, but <laughs> seen that firsthand. Uh, routine, like got to have the same routine every time for a big shot on Tuesday if you're playing for five bucks or trying to qualify for the state am. Got to keep it simple, same little routine, same things that you might tell yourself. Maybe not, don't screw this up because I'm in the state am qualifier. Just something, something positive. Have you? Uh, this is kind of all. Well, Going a little bit off of what you're talking about, have you, have you been yelled at by Bob Parsons yet? You guys are PXG? No, Has we're he not, screamed at you? No, we're not PXG anymore. Oh, you're we're, not? Okay. We're Team Titleist now. We were, at right. P, we were at PXG. We were at his facility a few <laughs> times, and um, it's intimidating just walking on property because at any given moment, <laughs> you might see him. He pops around a corner and that, starts that, yelling. That'd be the greatest commercial of Zach Johnson. You know, because he's PXG, right? Yeah. If he took a practice swing, hit it into the T-marker like he always does, and then just started screaming like Bob Parsons, some PXG stuff. That place is incredible, but it's very uncomfortable being out there, literally, because you, when you drive in, you can't do certain things, and it's like... <laughs> he seems like a very particular person yeah. to almost where there'd be a giant Bob Parsons statue erected at the, the very front of the gate. Yeah. All clubs are tested for, you know, they can't be too hot, right? A type... All his clubs are so illegal to try to get, you know, yardages <laughs> and stuff like that. It was kind of funny. Always used to, why aren't the guys using this one? It's like, well, you can't use that one. <laughs> That's Scottsdale, Na Scottsdale National. National, yeah. Maybe I'm going to make a driver change over to PXG. Yeah. yeah. It's like when you and I, it's like when Tim and I played Shadow Creek. When we were like, oh, you got, we can't. I was trying to figure out how to get there. We, I can't just Uber there? Yeah, oh, no, no okay, Uber. shit. We got to take a, we gotta take a, a limousine. <laughs> What's the, what's the switch to title has been like? Obviously, he's playing better. Is that, is yeah. that, do you think I that's think a reason? I think it has something a lot to do with it. Like, uh, no knock on PXG. I think PXG is great. The drivers may be behind technology, um, where the Titleist driver, um, I mean, I think his driving stats are the big one that's changed. And um, good drives are always going to go good. But when your dispersion goes down, um, and especially in professional golf, you have a way better chance, right? So... Um, that's probably been the biggest thing. Yeah, yeah, the pros are liking that new driver, aren't they? Yeah, the, I mean, it's like the hottest driver out there now. Yeah. You, Taylor made kind of own that little space, and it seems like Titleist is right there, maybe even or ahead. What's the deal with this golf ball? This this left dash that we've heard a little bit left of. Dot, left, left dot, 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 left dot. dot. Yeah, we don't play it. We play a 19X, I, so I don't know too much about it. Um, they're running out of the 19X, so eventually we'll probably have to switch. The new golf ball is... Supposed to be pretty good, but we have. So you're playing the 2019X. Yeah, yep. 2019X. How how do you do that? How do you do load up on a certain golf ball? Are they still manufacturing? They still manufacture them. Um, usually, like in another year, they'll probably quit doing it. But there's enough stash that they could get them. Why that particular golf ball? 
like he's a low spin guy, and that one creates the most spin on TrackMan and you know all that data they use now. Where Tim's Tim's refurbished balls off eBay aren't the same. No, they might not be Titleist <laughs> Probies at all. <laughs> Max flies under the cover. Yeah, you know you've all you've all seen that. Cut the cover off, and it's a whole different ball underneath. Yeah, that's what Tiger did all those years. Well, do you guys have any th other questions you have for for John? Mike, you got anything else you want to ask him as we as we get closed oh. up here soon? Do uh, caddies ever share notes on how much money they make? A little bit. It is kind of a weird thing, like, uh, you know, what weekly or percentages or stuff. So it's kind of like one of those weird things where you don't know or you might hear one of them bitch and complain, and they'll be like, well, what do you get? <laughs> you know, so not too much, but... The now, now guys are getting a lot of money, so it's changed a little bit. The standard breakdown is what, like 10% for yeah. winning, 5% for something? No, t it's usually like 10, 9, and 8 these days. So it's changed Do, a little bit. Like Tiger always had just the, like the re I called it the retainer basically for, does anybody else do that or is this a Tiger thing or he's just paying Stevie? I think Stevie? it's a Tiger thing. Bubba was on, Bubba did it a little bit. There's maybe a few guys that did it, but... Um, yeah, you don't see it as much anymore. The percentage is what guys want, right? So, yeah. Anything else for John? No, other than good, over here. good luck the rest of the way. Yeah, if you guys ever need anything or want Wyndham on here or something or for the 3M, we'll do something fun or uh, yeah. maybe you guys yes. get caddy for him and I'll go around and har <laughs> harass you guys <laughs> with the microphone. You'll be out on the boat. Yeah, yeah I'll be on the boat, yeah. yeah. We get, if you got a couple of drinks in us, if there's a PJ Turtle has drink while we're caddying, we could maybe do a halfway decent job. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's been a blast. Um, we'll, we'll be back. Uh, thank you again. Shout out to Score North booth here for having us out and the Minnesota Golf Show. We'll be out again tomorrow, um, I think 1030 to noon. So if you want to stop out again, we'll have some guests. I think Kevin from Twin Cities Golf will be with us. Um, some guys from Liftbridge as well. Um, so that'll be tomorrow. And, uh, yeah, we're looking forward to it. And... Um, have a great time out there. I guess we'll end with this. Remember, folks, the difference between 79 and 80 is everything. <laughs>